0: I just all and I
1: of life Hello the out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morihan, and my brother, JS, to provide you with a series of interesting, informative educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today, we introduce you to a memento number 11, Xerxes 8, uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit 2, long title. Well, we return to the subject of Xerxes reckless eyeballing. This is serious business because somebody's gonna die. In Mississippi in the 1950s and 1960s, sadly, such reckless eyeballing of white women might result in a black man being sentenced to prison uh, or to even a possible lynching. This was no joke. This was serious stuff. This was the way it was. And I knew a man named Leroy who was a driver and whom as a young man had been arrested outside a grocery store in Jackson, Mississippi, and charged with just such an offense. This is pathetic, sad, and a terrible thing. But this was not the case in Persia in the 5th century BC, where a man of color was free to ogle any woman he wanted, any woman he desired. However, There was a wild strain, apparently, of Jerry Lee Lewis that appeared to run through the jungle of the king of kings' blood. Xerxes tended to have a rather distinct taste for forbidden fruit. And as we know from from reading the Bible, and I refer you to the Old Testament if you need some direction, a lot of weird shit goes down. No matter how delectable it might be for forbidden fruit, is always bound to leave a bad taste in one's mouth. Yet we're talking about compulsion here. And when we talk about compulsion, there really is no free choice in the matter, is there? I need only remind you of of Oscar Wilde's um, famous quip that the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. Xerxes, like a like a long-suffering Oscar Wilde two millennia later. He could resist everything except temptation itself. Such an appetite for destruction was not going to end well. It is um, necessity and not pleasure that compels us. Dante wrote words like that in the Inferno, and we can presume Xerxes, the king of kings, believed himself free to do anything he so desired. But the truth was really that Xerxes was not as free as he might have thought he was. It was far more likely he was locked firmly within the death grip of compulsion. Slavery often masquerades as freedom, and, and that freedom is often thought to be the province of the king. But as with so much of life, things are not always what they appear to be. The king was not free from his obsessions, and obsessions, they, they will become what they must become. Dangerous. It was Nietzsche, not, not that he. He had his shit together, but it was Nietzsche who warned us, was it not? Be careful, don't stare into the abyss too long, for the abyss will stare back into you. At this point, we begin this podcast, Heart of the Matter, for it is precisely at this moment in time that Queen Amestris will lose her bearings, lose her marbles, breathe fire, and become... Uh, Lewis Carroll's Queen of Hearts, you know, that vicious, vengeful character from Alice's Adventure in Wonderland, you know, renowned for her cruelty and short temper. One, One of her most enduring lines from the book is, I mean, and this is sort of fitting, off with their heads. Oh, if it only might be so easy, so painless for those to whom she might wish to behead in so uh, a Persian style. But no, that's not the way things worked. I I, I don't want to go all Schopenhauerian on you, but life is hard. There is suffering, you know, first. And there's a lot of it. You might even pray that you'll die, and then you die. Then maybe somebody throws dirt on your face. Then the worms eat you. And you might pray that it all goes in that order. Because if you have run afoul of Queen Amestris, you better pray it goes in this order. Or else you are totally screwed. Buckle up because the queen is headed our way. Now, Xerxes' forbidden fruit fetish, a true obsession, may have gotten Xerxes all excited. You know, to an extent... And and for reasons only a man with the intellect of, say, Sigmund Freud might fully come to appreciate. That That was a state of affairs that existed 15 years before Xerxes would be unceremoniously taken out, assassinated in a royal court intrigue, perhaps involving his son, maybe involving his wife, but definitely involving a court eunuch. Oh, those eunuchs. Always, you know, they're always written as as conniving, untrustworthy bastards, you know, just hanging out, plotting with the women in the harem. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, kind of like life on the TV program Dallas only. This was Sousa and not Dallas, and there was no JR, and there certainly was no Bobby, if you remember him. But Xerxes' compulsions would serve to also inflame, I mean, fire up his wife, an already hypersensitive, insanely jealous type, and a totally wigged out queen a mistress. It would cause her to go all El Chapo on everyone. You know, impulse control was never, was really never her strong suit. And, and she ordered, implemented harsh barbaric, the most severe punitive measures be imposed in response to her husband's adulterous conduct. You know, for reasons and to a degree, I, I mean, only the behavioral unit of the FBI at Quantico might be able to explain this to you and me in a way that we might understand. And to have them be able to do so would require a familiarity with terms and and vocabulary based on an appreciation of abnormal psychology as detailed in uh, DSM-5TR, the the Bible of standard classifications of mental disorders. And this is used by modern mental health professionals in the United States. But it was (laughs) unavailable to the likes of the learned medicine men of that former epoch. You know, men of the caliber of Galen or Hippocrates, whom lived and studied 2,500 years ago, give or take, and as as often proves the case in life, the problem is not the problem; it's the purported solution to the perceived problem that is the problem. And Queen Amestris, now there there was a real problem. She may not have seen it that way, but believe me, we will see it that way. And the king, well, he was very busy, as kings were in those days. Invested in, intent upon, and committed not only to empire building, but he was a man possessed of a strong desire, an obscene desire. He was a biblical Job. To paraphrase, um, NBA legend Alan Iverson. Are we talking obsession? Are we talking obsession? Well, yes, we are. Yes, we are, Alan. And Xerxes had a real Jones for a compulsion to get it on sexually beyond mere mating with his queen. You know, just servicing the queen bee was never going to make it, you know, for Xerxes. This was never going to be his thing. He had other interests in mind. And his impulses drove him to pursue the dark side, to get it on Marvin Gaye style with female family members of the royal court. And we are not talking about some of that bohica nonsense with distant cousins. No, we're not. No, in Susa, in Sardis, or wherever Xerxes had set up that royal tent of his, if he was thinking at all, the king was thinking more like a duke, you know, one of those Dukes of Hazard, maybe, of Hazard County, Kentucky, you know, maybe West Virginia or Georgia style. Those kind of coal miners, daughter-close family members, close, close relatives. And, and in this regard, the sins of the father, that, that sort of thing, might have, have influenced affairs, come home to roost, so to speak, you know, subliminal learning at work. Xerxes' father Darius the Great, had paved the way, well, paved the way, so to speak, when he married Cyrus the Great's daughter. That marriage had worked so well. Darius thought, well, well, why the hell not? So, not unlike Mormon fundamentalist cult leader Warren Jeffs after him, or David Korash, head of that Waco, Texas-based, you know, the Branch Davidians, that nutty religious cult offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist and its final prophet. Well, we can only hope he's a final prophet. Darius the Great, back to Darius the Great, he decided right then and there, as sovereigns have the power to do, a power that is denied to us mere mortals. No, he said, Darius did, I'm going to take another one. And in his case, he simply decided, I'll take two and married his wife's sister. Well, welcome to the royal court. I, I know, I know. It's a cultural thing, I know. You know, Sousa 480 BC, you know, is like, say, Utah in the 19th century. So, of course, who are we to judge? Just who do we think we are? Judging. Hmm. But this kind of thing sets precedence. It puts things into motion. The unintended consequences of actions. Darius did this, so then Xerxes believed he could do that. Well, then that motivated Queen Amestris to do what she did. And she did what? Well, I hope you'll tune in next as we begin to unveil all this craziness that occurred in a royal court in 480 BC. Hey, thanks for listening. Goodbye, and have a good day. Hope you'll tune in again. Bye-bye. I am in a far-off place
0: Half a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way there are mountains and valleys and beautiful hills Each vista's something new And though my imagination i've got this worry you'll believe in me and i must admit that i'm scared so can you try